Well, good evening. It is a blessing and a privilege both to be here with you tonight. And before we get started, I'd like you to turn to your neighbor or whatever, wherever you can very quickly just tell somebody the last time you shot out a prayer and asked God to give you wisdom and you did exactly what he told you to do. Say, go. Boy, not a lot of talking going on, not a lot of wisdom in this room, not good. (laughs) Now, sometimes we make the things of the Lord so complicated when he has done it all for us already. He has taken care of everything, everything we need, everything we need to become in him has already been provided by him. And I think the theme that you have um, has been such encouragement and exhortation, be holy, Be steadfast. And tonight, to be wise, we need those things to walk this journey that we are on with the Lord Jesus Christ, don't we? Those things need to become part of our character traits. Um, Just a couple of asides before I start um, sharing the message that I believe the Lord has given to me tonight for you sweet ladies. Is one, um, I have braces right now, so I can't chew gum like I normally do. So my mouth is dry, so I do a lot of this. So I hope it doesn't drive you crazy. It drives my husband crazy. So I, if if it does, start praying that um, you can just let it pass, okay? Um, and then there are times that we think that we really are so wise, don't we? Um, I remember a couple of months ago, I was asked to speak at this very um, fancy church, and I was... I was a little caught up in, oh, I gotta, I gotta look good and I gotta be good and I gotta kind of fit in. And, um, so I went to the bathroom before I went up to share what the Lord had given to me. And as I'm in the bathroom, I'm making sure, you know, that the dress is good and this is all good and this is good. So I go walking to my seat, which is right in the front because the front is where the speaker normally sits because it's easier to get up here. So as I come walking to the front, thinking I'm looking pretty good in all of my wisdom, a sweet lady in the church comes running behind me. Jeanette, Jeanette, your sweater is stuck inside your pants. So the Lord has a wonderful sense of humor. And when we do think that we are wise in our own eyes, he is very sweet to humble us and make us realize that we are nothing apart from him. So let's bow our hearts and pray. Father God, we just ask for your wisdom tonight. Father, we pray that your wisdom will rain down on us this evening. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will teach us and show us. And Father, I pray that he will sting us if need be. Lord, for the reality of setting aside the things that we think we are so wise in and the reality knowing that we need all of your wisdom to conduct life, to bring you glory. So, Father, we ask for you to glorify yourself tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my topic for tonight is be wise. So I wanted to start by looking at the dictionary to see exactly what it is to be wise. And this is what I found. It is the quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment. It's the quality of being wise. And in Webster's 1828 dictionary, it says this. It is properly having knowledge, hence having the power of discerning and judging correctly, 
or of discriminating between what is true and what is false, between what is fit and what is proper and what is improper, discreet and judicious in the use or application of knowledge, choosing laudable ends and the best means to accomplish them. This is to be practically wise. So as you think back over your own life, have you been, the life that you've been living, can you say that you are in the habit of making wise decisions or are you in the habit of making unwise decisions? What place does God hold in your decision-making process? Usually the bad decisions that we find ourselves making is because we forget to seek out God's wisdom. We kind of get caught up in the moment and we react instead of stopping long enough to seek the Lord, to even shooting out a quick prayer saying, I need help, please show me what to do or teach me what to do or help me to do nothing, but I need you before I respond. Because when we find ourselves getting caught up in those emotions and in the moment, that's usually when we end up getting in trouble, isn't it? That's when we make the worst possible decisions because we're just so emotional. Um, Proverbs 23, 15 through 19 says this. My son or daughter, if your heart is wise, my heart will rejoice. Indeed, I myself, yes, my inmost being will rejoice. When your lips speak right things, do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. Hear, my son, hear, my daughter, and be wise, and guide your heart in the way. What a wonderful, I can just see this conversation between Solomon and, and his son, just saying, listen, if you just do the things that I've instructed you to do, if, if you just keep clinging to wisdom and you, you seek out wisdom, and not only are you going to be blessed, but, man, I'm going to be rejoicing as well because this is going to bless my soul as I see you walk in, in the wisdom of the Lord. doesn't matter how smart we are. If we are a high school dropout, if we have a college education, a lofty position in the workforce, if we're a stay-at-home mom, if we are still a student in school, it is God's wisdom that we need for the choices that we have to make on a daily basis. We have to make choices that are God-honoring and God-fearing if we profess to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to hear um, and heed to God's wisdom, and we walk in his ways, God's ways. In this proverb, the father is telling his son how blessed he will be if the son walks in wisdom, he speaks with wisdom, he fears the Lord, he doesn't hang out, get caught up with sinners, and he says, listen, son, if you do this, you will be blessed. There will be a reward for you. You won't be disappointed. And again, this father will also be blessed as he sees his son making wise decision. This father, along with many of us in this room, know that when our children are walking with the Lord, we rejoice, don't we? To, to me, as a mom and a grandma, there is nothing better in this life. And I, this is this is so true. I hope you, I'm not just saying this. There is nothing better for me than to know that my kids love the Lord, walk with the Lord, and serve the Lord. And there is no greater pain for me than when I know that my kids are walking away from the Lord and choosing not to heed his counsel. So 
When our children are walking, we rejoice. When they speak wisely, when they avoid getting caught up with things of the world, we are thrilled. And part of the, uh, as the parent rejoicing in that, is the fact that we know if they are walking in the counsel and in the ways of the Lord, things are going to go well with them. Even if life stinks, even if hard things happen, they're going to be okay because they have that settled soul. They know who they are in Christ. They know who to cry to. They know who to get their strength from. So they're going to be okay. That's why I can rejoice, because it doesn't matter what happens. They're going to be on that sure foundation. The heartbreak, on the other hand, and the sorrow that comes to us as parents whose children have chosen to walk away, walk in their own wisdom, not heeding God's counsel, not heeding your counsel, we know the heartbreak that might happen to them because they choose to walk in foolishness. And that's what it truly is. If they have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, and one day make the decision that God is not it for me anymore. They choose to walk away from the truth of who Christ is and start living their own life. It's going to end in misery. And again, because as Christian mamas who pray for our kids diligently, we know that truth. There's no good that can happen to a child of God who messes around in the world. So why do they want to go there? We need to pray and pray and pray because we want our children's hearts guided by God. And as they seek God's wisdom, the scripture says right here, it will be guided by him. So we need to pray and pray and pray for those who aren't walking in the ways of the Lord. God is faithful. He hears our prayers. And I trust in the promise that when you train up a child when, um, and when he is old, he will not depart if he falls away. I might not see that in my day, but I still trust that my God is working on behalf of that promise in Scripture and on behalf of my faithful prayers. So don't give up praying for your prodigals. You stay on your knees faithfully for for them. So um, Psalm 119, 97 through 104. If you want to turn there in the Word, um, I'm going to be reading this. Psalm 119. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. You, through your commandments, make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients, because I keep your precepts. I have restrained my feet from every evil way, that I might keep your word. I have not departed from your judgments, for you yourself have taught me. Oh, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. That is how we gain wisdom, and we keep our hearts on the right course. Psalm 119, um, 101, the psalmist says that he makes the choice to restrain his feet from following any type of evil plan. He has purposed in his heart that he is not going to um, disgrace God. He is not going to um, be a bad witness. He purposed in his heart to restrain his feet. Now, I don't know if this is something as he sees the ways of evil and he wants to go the way of evil. He has made the choice that uh-uh, I'm not going to do it. Whatever it takes, I am not going to make bad on God's word. 
I'm going to trust in his judgments. I'm going to trust in his commandments. I'm going to follow God's ways no matter how much it might hurt me. And sometimes we think, we have the false perception thinking that, well, if I'm going to do what God wants me to do, somehow I'm missing out of something. And sometimes I think with the, with the word he uses here, he has to restrain himself. It's like he's, he's really fighting against the pull of the evil one. And I think we have to be real with one another, don't we? That sometimes sin and the evil stuff out there, it looks very enticing. See, but we too have to rely on God's wisdom and make choices to purposely restrain ourselves from doing things that are evil and they're going to cause the world to blaspheme our God. See, his joy is meditating on the Lord day and night, knowing his commandments, keeping his precepts. They're sweeter than honey in his mouth. Do we love God's word like that? You know, many of us don't. And many of us, because we don't enjoy God's word, we don't take it in on a regular basis, we find ourselves very weak in the things of God. The psalmist here, all of Psalm 119 is amazing. All, all of Proverbs is incredible. I mean, Proverbs too, it tells you exactly what wisdom all is. Every single, every, you read it. Read, read a proverb a day and you'll be thrilled. Not just picking and plucking them out, but read them consistently, in order, taking them in the context. You will be such wise ladies. It's, it's amazing. Anyway, we cannot confuse God's wisdom with worldly wisdom. Or intelligence. Okay, there's a there's a huge difference. Okay, um, James three says that the world's wisdom is earthly, it is sensual, and it is demonic. Okay, now I don't want any of that, you know. And I had it before, and it didn't work out for me then. And now, as a believer in Christ Jesus, I certainly don't want it now. But it is worldly. Okay, and, and worldly wisdom, I mean, it works. They're, they're Einstein's, he's an amazing genius. I mean, we have cars and medicine and, and all of this awesome stuff that the Lord has blessed people with all this knowledge to bless us with these things. But worldly wisdom only goes so far. You know, worldly wisdom can't make peace. Worldly wisdom cannot forgive sin. There's, there's a limit to worldly wisdom. Wisdom. Sensual wisdom, that's our own fleshly wisdom, what we think is going to work out or how, how we can survive life if I do it my way, like Frank Sinatra's favorite song is, you know, I did it my way. And many of us, we might not sing that song, but we live life like that. And that's sensual wisdom, fleshly wisdom. And then the demonic wisdom. Now, don't forget whose world this is. It's Satan's, right? And he and all his little minions, which I find that very funny too, and or I get not funny, actually, but Despicable Me, I love that little cartoon. My grandkids love that little cartoon. But those little minions, you know what a minion is? It's a little demon. It's like, you know, and they make them so cute, don't they? Satan is so sly. Anyway, I digress. So let's go back to where where I'm supposed to be going here. But his work is being done all over, spreading false wisdom that not only is the world buying and trying to sell it to us, but many believers are buying it as well. And we have to be careful. The enemy's role, his job, is to destroy you, to devour you, to make you stumble and fall so badly that you think you can never get back up and have a right relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ ever again. And when we follow his ways and his 
cunning devices and we fall into his traps, we're going to find ourselves very sad, very messed up in our walk and confused because that's what the world's wisdom promises us, confusion. So, again, we cannot confuse wisdom with intelligence. People can be very intelligent. They can have the highest IQs, the best educations, but they can still lack wisdom. Do you know somebody in your own life, and please don't say a name if you do, but they're, they are just super smart. I mean, these people, it's like, oh, my gosh. You know, they, I'm, they're kind of intimidating to be around because they know everything about everything. They're a little arrogant on top of it, you know, so they're kind of a buggy type of thing. But um, even though they're so intellectually way high uh, above me, they lack common sense. You know, it's like, okay, I don't get that. You know, you can solve all these E equals MC square stuff, and you don't, you can't figure out that. And that, that's kind of silly. But there are really people like that. I, I know a few people like that. And they continue to make the same mistakes over and over again. And they ask for counsel, and they won't heed your advice. You know, and it's like, they make me crazy, honestly. But I think <laughs> um, they will not stop long enough to consider the will of God. But they make their decisions based on their own intellect and their own emotions or in their own self and selfishness or on the spur of the moment, whatever the latest thing is on the here and now, whatever's going to make me happy right now. So they lack the judgment and the knowledge and the wisdom of God in their decisions. So common sense doesn't seem so common, but God's promises are. His children are promised that he will give us wisdom whenever we ask for it. His knowledge we will learn as we lean and learn of him. I can be wiser, and this blows my mind, I can be wiser than somebody who holds a Ph.D., or a master's degree, or somebody who holds the highest paying job in the whole entire universe, I can be wiser than that person because I have the wisdom of God. Now, that's pretty amazing to me. I mean, I only went to a year and a half of junior college. So the wisdom that God gives us can last forever. And it, it far surpasses a little high school diploma that you work hard to get, or a college diploma, or a whatever you, <laughs> diploma. You work hard for those things, but God's wisdom is even more precious than those things. We love to get those little things. I remember when I got my high school diploma, you know, you wanted to frame it and put it on the wall so everybody could see it. You know, but where is it today? Who cares? You know, nobody cares. But anyway, um, but as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have access to his wisdom all the time. There's an old story about a favorite course at a university, and this is kind of funny, but the favorite course is a course on the New Testament. It was a favorite because there was no homework, there was no reading, there was no test before the final. And on the final, for 25 years, the same professor had always presented the same question. Describe the missionary journeys of Paul. A young man by the name of Meathead, a star on the school's football team, took the course and a tutor helped him prepare all semester long for the final exam. When the day of the test came, Meathead was ready. He knew everything about every journey that Paul ever took. He knew about Philippi. He knew about Thessalonica. He knew about Rome. He knew about Timothy and Barnabas and Luke. And man, he was ready. But when the final exam was passed out, students all over the great auditorium were stunned 
to see a new question. For the first time in a quarter century, the professor decided to ask a different question. Instead of a question about Paul's missionary journeys, there was this question written on the board. Critique the Sermon on the Mount that was preached by Jesus. The shock was felt across the entire room, and a young man got up. He took his blue book, a little book that was designed to hold his essay, and he threw it down on the professor's desk. It was empty. He didn't know how to answer the question. And one by one, all of the students left. None of them were able to answer the question, except for Meathead. Meathead opened his blue book, and he began to write. He wrote, and he wrote, and he wrote. The professor's assistant came back an hour later, and Meathead was still writing. Two hours later, and Meathead was still going at it. For a full three hours, Meathead filled up his little blue book. That afternoon, the professor had two stacks of blue books. On his right, a tall stack of empty blue books, all with the grade of S. And on his left, one single blue book with a big, bold A-plus right on top. It was Meathead's. What in the world did you write about? Asked a classmate. So Meathead said, read it. And on the very first page was the opening sentence. Who am I to criticize the Sermon on the Mount? Instead, let me tell you about the missionary journeys of Paul. (laughs) Meathead was pretty wise. And I think that God gave him that wisdom at that very moment. He studied. He was diligent. And he didn't want to blow it. And I I love that little story. (laughs) So that is wisdom. Warren Wiersbe gives this commentary regarding Psalm 119. He says, Never have there been so many tools available for us for serious Bible study. And we are grateful for all of them. However, the word of God is unlike any other book. We must be on good terms with the author if we are to learn from what he has written. Our relationship to the Lord is determined by our relationship to his will. And that is determined by how we relate to his word. Too many believers have only academic head knowledge of the word, but they do not know how to put this knowledge into everyday practice. What we all need is a heart knowledge of the word, and this means being taught by God himself. We get his wisdom and knowledge by spending time with him in the word, allowing the Holy Spirit to sift our hearts, to be our teacher and show us who we really are. And then we act on those things and we live out in God's obedience, what he has called us to do. Uh, You cannot learn godly wisdom in a university. You can take all the Bible courses you want. You can know the Bible inside and out. But if it does not have an effect on your heart to transform the life, all it is is head knowledge. And all knowledge does, scripture says, is puff us up. And we don't want that. We want to know Christ and to know him well and to love him and serve him. And we want to give him everything that we have so we can be a blessing not only to him, but to others as they are able to look and learn from our lives. We can't learn about godly wisdom in a, even in a seminary. It has to be a personal thing between you and your Savior. When you realize what he has done for you and how much he loves you and that every sin that you have ever committed has been forgiven and nailed on the cross. 
the day you met Christ, and he said you have a clean slate. And every day from that moment, your slate is wiped clean every time you confess that sin and ask him for forgiveness. How loving is that? That there is nothing held against you? How marvelous is his grace to us? And his wisdom is so good for us. When we take the time to read the Proverbs, when we see the, the, the wisdom in living a wise life and the foolishness of living a life on our own and, and in folly, I mean, why would we choose to do the silly things that, that the book of Proverbs tells us to stay away from? You know, it, God's ways are so far above ours. But he wants us to know the things that he has revealed to us. And as we are a student of his word, as we learn more about him, of who he is, you are more confident in your relationship with him. See, if there's anything I know, I know that I'm still a sinner. I know that I do not know a lot of stuff. But I do know that my father in heaven loves me. And he gave his life for me to give me a full life. And I know, because I've been walking with the Lord for over 30 years, if I am walking with my Savior, if I am following his steps to wisdom, I am going to be fine. I am a blessed woman. We sang a song. Blessed is those who walk in the ways of the Lord. And we truly are. If, if you have not experienced the blessedness of Christ as a Christian, maybe it's because you aren't walking in his wisdom. Maybe you're still clinging too much to that old life, fearful of completely surrendering to the things of the Lord. Because see, his ways, it doesn't make sense. Somehow I'm going to feel robbed or gypped. And God's saying, oh, sweetheart, if you just let it all go and let me completely satisfy you, you have no idea what I have in store for you. That's why Jeremiah 29 is still so precious to me. His thoughts that he has for me, they're good. They're huge. They're, uh, they're amazing. And I want to find him. So I need to find him and seek with all of my heart those treasures that he has for me in my life. And you need to do the same thing. So we are fulfilled, satisfied women. We don't have to be looking around in the world to find our satisfaction. We don't have to go from guy to guy to guy to feel loved and, and worth anything. We don't have to have all these plastic surgeries to make us feel like we fit in with all the beautiful people in the world. God doesn't care about all that stuff. He wants the inner beauty, who we are inside. See, the world says that we're worthless and we're nothing, especially as we get older. Man, the message that I'm getting today in our world, I hate it. It's like, what do you mean I'm worth nothing? Do you know how much wisdom I have? Do you know how many battle scars I have? Take a moment to listen to me, but the... Sorry for you young ladies in here. But the young people don't want to listen to the old people. What do you have to tell us? See, God says, as the older women, train up the younger women. Teach them what it means to love Christ. Teach them what it means to love their husbands. Teach them what it means to love their children. So the the young have gotten the, the message from this world's wisdom that youth is what it's all about. The old have nothing to offer. You don't have to listen to them. And the old are hearing the message from the world as well. We are worthless. Nobody wants us around anymore. I'll just go sit in my little rocking chair and I'm going to have to learn how to knit because I don't know how. (laughs) See, but that's not God's way at all. And when we start to think that way, we are victims of the world's wisdom. And we got to get it out of our head, get back into the word, and see our worth and value of what he says. 
we are and who we are in him. Because this is truth. The world out there is not. But again, we cannot learn godly wisdom in a university or get a degree. It can only come to a heart that's in a right relationship with God as we seek his wisdom. Again, another perfect illustration, especially being that um, school has just started. Um, Consider this. There was a little boy who came home from his first day of school, and he was just so tired. So he took off his heavy little backpack, and he dropped it in the chair. And he quickly ran into his room and put back on his shorts and settled on down to his little summertime routine of doing nothing. So his mama said, well, how did school go for you, son? Oh, it was good. Well, do you have any homework for class tomorrow? And he turns around, and he looks at her with disbelief, and he says, You mean I have to go back tomorrow? (laughs) He was stunned. He couldn't believe it. I have to do this tomorrow? And I could just see the mama, not only tomorrow, sweetheart, you have the rest of your life to go to school before you get that high school diploma. Well, Andy Cook, a pastor um, of a Baptist church in Georgia, says this. We can laugh at the child who can't understand the year-long nature of the educational process. But somehow we think that we can check in with God only on the day of a crisis and come away with a lifetime of understanding. Wisdom is very much like the educational process. In fact, wisdom is the goal of education. It takes years of day-to-day studies, years of reading, learning new skills, and applying those skills in ever new ways. Godly wisdom, though, views life from God's perspective, and then acts accordingly. A godly life is a practical application of the ways of God. A person who reads the Bible, who attends church regularly, enjoys good fellowship, applies biblical principles to everyday choices, will naturally begin to learn more about the wisdom of God than the person who does not. And that is so true. If you are filling yourself with the things of God, you are going to learn more of God's wisdom. The Apostle Paul admonishes us to avoid worldly wisdom. This world, again, has nothing to offer us. And those of us who came to the Lord late late in life, we know that even better than those that came to the Lord um, earlier in life. The world just chews us up and spits us out. They just want to use us and abuse us. And we cannot, again, forget who this world belongs to. We have seen the results of God or the world's wisdom. Broken families, broken lives, unrest, um, suicides, heartaches. I mean, it, it's sad. And we see the deterioration of our world so quickly today, don't we? And there, it seems like it's so out of control, nothing can fix it. It's like... It's, it's as if the um, rulers and leaders in the world, without seeking God's wisdom and trying to do things on their own, come up with this plan that sounds wonderful. So they let this plan go, but then they don't realize that this plan is going to snowball into this plan. So what do we do for this? Well, we don't know, so let's do this. Okay, well, now we have another uh, snowball. And we have all these snowballs that are just going out of control. And it's like, how do you pull them all back in? And it's like you would think, as they could stop long enough to see what's happening to our world, that they would 
humble themselves and bend their knee and ask for divine wisdom. I cannot do this. This world is out of control. What do I do to help? But I think with pride and arrogance, that is something that we're not going to see happen. It's as if we, our nation, the United States of America, is getting what we've asked for. With pride and arrogance and thinking we're all so self-sufficient and wise, the Lord says, okay, this is what you asked for and this is what you're getting. And it's like, oh God, I don't want to be grouped up with all those people. I, I want to stay humble before you. But what we need to do is pray for our leaders. That's what we're admonished to do. And that is my responsibility as a believer and your responsibility as a believer. It does no good for any of us to sit and bash our political leaders. We need to be on our knees and asking God for strength and help and wisdom on how to pray for them. So um, 1 Corinthians 18 says, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Living wisely, ladies, is the best life for us and for those who we love. If we are living in wisdom, God's wisdom, it is the best for us and for those that are around us. My dear friend, uh, Janice Arate, she's a pastor's wife um, of Jim, who they pastor Calvary Chapel Rancho Cucamonga. She loves and she lives her life for Jesus Christ. But the other day, her world was rocked. She was busy preparing for her women's retreat, making plans, finishing up things, and things were going well when all of a sudden she found out that her husband had to have a triple bypass. One minute she's planning her retreat, the next minute she's planning for a surgery. How was she prepared? How was she able to make decisions that were changing? And I was there with her, and they were changing minute by minute. Well, we need to do this because the doctor thinks this. Oh, no, we can't do that. That's not going to work out good. So we need to do this because the doctor thinks this. But wait a second. This doctor thinks this. It's like, what do you do? What voice do you listen to? These are experts. And what did she do? She's asking everybody she knows, pray. We need God's wisdom. We don't know what to do. We need God's wisdom. If this is a time that God is allowing Jimmy to go home, I need strength. I need God's wisdom on how to make plans for the future. If God is going to heal him and repair him, we need wisdom. What surgery to do, what doctor to listen to, what hospital to send him to. It was an all-out call for God to intervene with his wisdom, direction, knowledge, strength. Everything that she could muster up in the strength of the Lord is what she wanted. Was she scared? Absolutely. Was she trusting in her all-knowing, all-caring God? Absolutely. Her relationship with God is firm and it's real. She feeds and she nourishes her soul faithfully. Praise God, Jimmy is home recovering from a grueling surgery, praising and thanking and trusting in the sovereignty of the Almighty God as he and Janice wait until September 18th, I believe it is, for one more surgery. See, we cannot think that we're going to be all wise in just a second. If we aren't doing anything to feed or nourish our soul and we're asking, oh, God, help me, please, where are we going to get that wisdom? If we don't have a, a cultivated relationship with him, where, where are we going to turn to for help if we aren't used to looking into the word of God to see what he is wanting us to do on a daily basis? Um, we need God's wisdom for things that we face in our life on a day-to-day basis. But you cannot form a deep relationship with God in a few short hours of crisis. Um, 
We need to make it our aim to know the God who holds all wisdom, and that only comes with a dedicated time of study in his word. Most of us know Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I know that I taught that to my kids. Um, My little nieces and nephews used to recite that as they would run around the house. Great plaques on the wall. I mean, it's, it's a very easy scripture to learn. Now, I want you all to stand up and recite it. No, I'm just teasing. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. But I think we should also commit to memory verse 7. It says, don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, if we're honest with one another, I think it is easy to memorize this scripture, to frame the little plaques and stick them on the wall, put them in your children's room or on the doorway before you're leaving your home. But we do get caught up in wanting to do our own things, don't we? You know, we'll read that on the way out. Okay, I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. But then something comes up in the moment, and here you go. You're, you're leaning on your own understanding. You're doing what you used to do before. You're not stopping long enough to stop and, and seek the Lord. You're just going without any thought at all. Does that happen to you? Sometimes? Yeah. I mean, you just go. You go with it without, without a thought. And God says right here, he will show you the path to take. Well, when we start doing our own thing, when we're going our own way, we're on a path that leads far away from the Lord. See, that's our wisdom to, to move away from God. God's wisdom says, no, you stay right here with me. Let me take you. Let me lead you. Let me show you. But first you have to seek me. And I promise you, I will show you. Don't trust your own wisdom. It's not going to get you anywhere or anything. Seek me first, as we're commanded to do. Um, our own ways of thinking sometimes, though, seem uh, very good to us. Because who knows better about our life than us, right? We know the best ways that our kids should be raised. We know the best ways we should treat our husbands. And, um, you know, we've listened to Oprah for many years, and she has been a great teacher to us. See, those things penetrate our hearts and our minds without us even realizing it. And that's our own wisdom. We buy those things that the media constantly feeds us, and we don't even realize that that's the wisdom that we're adhering to. And it can be very dangerous. Um, Proverbs 14.1 says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish woman tears it down with her own hands. Are you a wise woman? How solid is the foundation of your own personal spiritual house? Are you using building materials that reinforce your faith? And I know this is going to sound really silly, but when I was writing this, it didn't seem silly. It seemed so profound. But the story of the three little pigs... Uh, <laughs> can be a a really good picture for us here. If we neglect building stone upon stone with the wisdom and truth of God's word, we will be like that little pig who built his home with sticks and straw. And when that big bad whiff came and he huffed and he puffed on the house and it fell down, that's the foolish woman. So not taking the time to make that foundation sure and, and secure and building upon it things that are going to last for eternity. We kind of get lazy and just throw things together and we'll buy a little of this wisdom. And, you know, Dr. Phil sounds good today or Judge Judy sounds good or, uh, I don't know, uh, People Magazine sounds good or whatever. You know, so I have those kind of tucked away here and there. And God's word, yeah, it's, it's over here. 
But I, I don't need it that often. You know, I'll pull it out on Sundays, and that, that's sufficient. But it's not. See, if that's how we're treating our relationship with the Lord and we're shoving ourselves, our souls filled with all this other stuff, how are we going to stand when things really get hot and heavy? You know, the big bad wolf is real. He will come. You know, he's disguised in many different ways. And he huffs and he puffs. And he blows like crazy. And sometimes those winds are overwhelming. And we can feel like we are going to completely crash. But even at that moment, if we cry out to the Lord to give us strength and his wisdom, he will. He will teach us and he will show us what to do. Now, it's not going to be a loud, audible voice. But see, for the years that you've been storing your heart with the truth of his word, it's amazing how those things come back. Okay, this is what I could do. We could do this together and and it's going to be okay. The foolish woman allows her home to be torn down by her own hands by not protecting what is going inside her home. How sad is that? How many women do you know that their lives are ruined from the silly choices that they've made by taking their eyes off of the Lord, putting them back on the things that they used to do, and we see them so messed up today? It's tragic. She ignores the commands of God and gives in to the ways of the world. As a young Christian wife who was... Um, learning, trying to learn. First Peter chapter three, verses one through six was a scripture that really did not make much sense to me. In first Peter, we're told to, I was told to be submissive to my husband, that I am also to win my husband over without a word and to let him see the chaste behavior of a woman who has been cultivating a gentle and quiet spirit. Now, my wisdom at that time was what I knew. I woke, uh, grew up in a home that uh, nagging was very real. Screaming and yelling was very real. Arguing was very real, and being loud to get your point across was very real. So that is my wisdom. That's what I knew. So when I read Peter say this to me through the Holy Spirit, I'm saying, you don't know what you're talking about. Because my husband will not listen if I'm just going to be a sweet, gentle woman. You know, he doesn't respond until I say this, which I'm not going to say because that's no longer me. But so... As I am trying to make sense of God's wisdom, for me to be quiet, how does that even work? I mean, when was the last time I was quiet? I don't know. You know, so God, I need help with that. My way is to nag him. Because, see, if I don't nag, he's not going to do. And if he doesn't do, then I'm going to get mad. Then if we, I get mad, then we're going to have an argument and so on and so on and so on. So, God, help me to understand what you're telling me to do here. It does not make sense. That is not my wisdom. And my sweet God says, Jeanette, You let me worry about Randy, and you let me worry about you. You trust me and start putting this into practice. Okay, so one day, I did it. Two day, good. Three day, ah! Look, God, it's not working. You are not working fast enough. Do we not get like that? You know, but in his wonderful grace and mercy to me and to my husband, 
He has shown me the truth of that scripture. I can now give that scripture to other ladies that I counsel saying God's way works. It does not make sense in our head. If you were raised in a home like I was, it does not make sense. That is not, that's not wise. I'm going to let him get away with stuff. That's not good. God says, no, let me take care of it. Let me cultivate that beautiful and gentle and quiet spirit that I'm still waiting for him to cultivate within me. But let me work and you do what I say. Okay. And I had to learn that. And I'm still learning that in different areas of my life, at different stages in my life. And you need to learn too. Our ways are not God's ways. But as we submit to him, his ways can become our ways. And we're blessed because of it. I love this from um, the Daily Bread that I read the other day because we just had a situation within um, my leadership group. She called me up and she was crying because she had just got ripped. I don't do Facebook. I'm just putting that out there right now. I don't like it. I think it's a tool from the enemy. And I know it, there's a lot of good. I'm not. If you're on it, praise the Lord. That's good for you. I hate it. I don't like it. But um, she called me up crying because um, there was a group of Christian women who ripped her up on Facebook. I mean, for the world to see, okay? It's not just the little Christian community. the world to see. Because in love, she told a Christian sister, I really don't think it would be a good witness for you to go to this party and drink. How dare you judge me? Ah! I mean, it was horrible. And this poor sister comes to me crying. I wasn't being ugly. I sought the Lord before I said a word to her. I was spirit-led when I talked to her. I, and now she is heartbroken. And the very next day, we got this in the mail that I quickly sent to her. And this is what this says. <clears throat> um, Proverbs twenty-six twenty-one: A quarrelsome person starts fights as easily as hot embers light charcoal or fire lights wood. If you scroll to the bottom of many online news sites, you'll find the comment section where readers can leave their observation. Even the most reputable sites have no shortage of rude rants, insults, and name-calling. The book of Proverbs was collected about 3,000 years ago, but its timeless wisdom is as up-to-date today's breaking news. Two Proverbs in chapter 26 seem at first glance to contradict each other, yet they apply perfectly to social media. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. And then answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. We are always free to ask God for wisdom. The balance in those statements is in the according to. Don't answer in the way a fool would answer, but respond so that foolishness is not considered wisdom. My problem is that the foolishness I encounter is often my own. I have at times posted a sarcastic comment or turned someone else's statement back on them. God hates it when I treat my fellow human beings with such disrespect, even when they're being foolish. God gives us an amazing range of freedoms. We are free to choose what we will say, when and how we say it, and we are always free to ask for his wisdom. These things we should keep in mind. Is what I am saying true, and is it loving? What is my motivation? Is it going to help anybody, and will this reflect the character 
of my Jesus. I think in our culture, in our day and age, where we have instant everything, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, I don't know, all the stuff that's out there, um, I, I don't like it. I get grieved by some of the things that I see from my own loved ones. Um, and then I start to get angry. So then God and I have to talk, and it's like I'll just stay away from it. But I think it could be very dangerous. I think it it avoids a lot of personal one-on-one confrontations, too. Because, see, I can say something on Facebook or Twitter that I don't have to say to you to your face. You know, I can take the chicken way out, and that's what I... I This is my personal opinion, okay? So I hope I'm not offending anybody. But I think we can be chickens by blasting somebody on Facebook or Twitter or some kind of social media, and yet we don't have the love or the strength or the courage to go and address that brother or sister in person. What's up with that? You know, have we become a culture of cowards? You know, I'm so this and this in your face, but I can't tell it to you in your face. I can say it on this little thing here, but I I can't tell you in your face. I'll let somebody else come and tell you what I think of you. What is that? That's not God's wisdom at all. We are to love one another and build one another up and edify one another. And the things that we put on Facebook, are all of them really necessary? I mean, honestly, who cares if we're going to the bathroom? You know, or, or, or if we get a new outfit, you know, or I'm having lunch with Georgia down here. Or what, who cares? Am I really that important? that I think that everybody really wants to know what I'm doing? I, I don't know. I, I think it can be good. I, I think we can witness and love and all that kind of good stuff. But I don't know how much of that is really going on. I think it's really easy to get caught up in gossip and all the junk. So, is that the wisest thing for us to do? I don't know. But we can seek the Lord and ask if it's for you. I know it's not for me. God has already showed me. No, I can't do it. I'm too weak. I can't. I know a lady in my church that it shouldn't be for her either because she told me that she couldn't go to Bible study because she's busy on Tuesday nights. But I had a sister that was sick, and they were communicating on Facebook together. So that's her busyness. Occupies too much time that we could be doing other things with. And that's my own personal soapbox. So, you seek the Lord and see what he tells you on that issue. But the question for us is, are we growing in the wisdom and in the knowledge of the Lord? Setting a firm foundation not only for our own lives, but for the lives of our loved ones. Are we listening to the wisdom of the Lord? Or are we listening to the wisdom of this world? James 3.13 says, if you are wise and you understand God's ways, prove it. By living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. When Solomon wrote these Proverbs, he urged his son to be diligent, to seek out wisdom as if you were seeking out treasure. Man, you know, and and if we had a treasure box right here and I said, ladies, whatever you can get, it's yours. I don't think one of you would be sitting in your seat. You would all be up here probably trying to knock each other over to get all the stuff you can out of the treasure box. This is God's treasure box filled with wisdom. All we have to do is open it up and read it and ask him to speak to us, and he will. Seek for God's wisdom as hidden treasures. And he's so awesome, he doesn't even hide it from us. It's ours. 
for the asking and for the taking. As believers, don't we want to truly be known as a woman who walks in wisdom? We are set apart from this world. We've been called to be set apart. We're different. We're not to blend in and be like the world. We are to walk in the ways of the Lord, to walk with wisdom and strength and dignity and honor should be part of our lives. Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Scripture, Paul is saying that we're unwise if we're not understanding what the will of the Lord is. Wisdom is really needed in our evil days that we are living in. Every single day, something different is being thrown to us. And we need God's wisdom on not only on how to take all this stuff that we're, that's being thrown at us, but how do we respond to the world who has no hope, who are seeing our world deteriorate in front of their eyes and they don't know what to do. See, if we are walking in wisdom, if we're seeking the Lord in wisdom, willing to be the witness for Jesus Christ, the world is going to ask us, what, what's up with us? Why are we so different? How are you so calm and you're, and you're okay? See, just like the proverb that I started off with, Proverb 23, we'll be able to rejoice. And we know that if we're living in God's wisdom, we won't be disappointed. We're going to have a full, satisfying life as we follow hard after the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we have all made many mistakes. And we have relied way too much on our own wisdom. And Father, we ask for forgiveness for that. Lord, as, as much as we know you and love you, sometimes we just, we just think we're, we, we know it all. And Father, we pray that you would help each of us to humble ourselves before you, to seek you on a daily basis, seeking your faith, seeking your wisdom, knowing how loved we are by you, Father, desiring to serve you, and to bring glory and honor unto you. Father, use our lives in this crazy and messed up world to show the people who you truly are. Father, may we be steadfast, may we be holy, and may we be wise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good night, sweet ladies. God bless you.